You are listening to audio from First Baptist Church in Fort Walton Beach. If you would like more resources or to watch our service online, please visit fbcfwb.org. Listen in as Pastor Wade helps us abide in Christ and advance the gospel through the teaching and the proclamation of God's Word. All right, Psalm 16. Look at there, Psalm 16 um, with me. On Wednesday nights, we've just been going through the Psalms. We've just been going one Psalm per week. Uh, to give you a, a, kind of a spoiler alert, there are 150 Psalms. So we got a ways to go. We've only made it to Psalm 16. Uh, but it's been a rich study, a wonderful study. And uh, I love Psalm 16. There are some verses in here that you might uh, find kind of familiar, and we'll talk about that in a few moments. But this is a wonderful, powerful psalm. And it's a, it's a psalm about joy. Uh, in fact, it's a psalm about experiencing and living with a fullness of joy. Now, if you ask the average person, are you joyful? They would probably say, I don't know if I would say joyful. Uh, But even if you said, if someone said, well, yeah, I have some joy in my life, you would say, you might ask them, well, do you have fullness of joy, a fullness of joy in your life? They might say, well, I don't know if I'm experiencing fullness of joy. Well, this psalm helps us understand why you and I should have fullness of joy. Joy. Now, joy is the, the uh, predominant emotion being dealt with in this text. And again, the Psalms are popular because they deal with different emotions that we experience. And in fact, if you look there on your notes, notice that quote from John Piper. He says, the Psalms are songs, they are poems, they are written to awaken and express and shape the emotional life of God's people. Poetry and singing exist because God made us with emotions, not just thoughts. Our emotions are massively important. And does it encourage you to know that God wants you to be joyful? That Psalm 16 is what God wants for your life. He wants you to be joyful. He is, he is for you. He is your father. He is your friend through Christ. He wants you to experience this kind of joy, this fullness of joy. So keep that in mind. Look there in Psalm 16. I'm going to read it and I'm going to pray. Then we're going to make some comments on this psalm. Verse 1, a miktom of David. Miktom is a musical term. Scholars believe it's an ancient term, but something like a tune, you know, a tune of David. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also, my heart instructs me. I've set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. Notice that my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, watch this, there is what? Fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Let's pray together. Father, we're grateful for this time together. Grateful for your word. I pray that you would use your word in our lives to help us to 
Lord, perhaps recapture uh, what it looks like to experience fullness of joy in our relationship with you. So help us tonight by the power and presence of the Spirit, and we'll thank you for that grace. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, there are six reasons in this psalm, Psalm of David, six reasons in this psalm that you and I should should find as reasons to be joyful. Six reasons to find our joy in God. Really six things about God that ought to give us joy. So let me just kind of walk you through this. First of all, God is our shelter. God is our shelter. Notice what it says there in verse 1. Preserve me, O God. Now that uh, word translated God is the, the Hebrew word Elohim. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. In you I take refuge. So David is saying, in the midst of all I've got going on in my life, and David had a lot of stuff going on in his life. I mean, David's life was like a a spiritual, emotional roller coaster. He had some great moments, some some wonderful highs, but he also experienced some low lows. And he understood what it was like to experience life. The, you know, the, the highs, the lows, the good, the bad. And, and David is saying, in the midst of this crazy life in which I'm living, I have placed my life in your hands. You are my Refuge. That's a way of saying, I, I trust you, God. I follow you. I believe in you. I choose you. You are my God. So if you look there in your notes, there's great peace when we place our lives in his hand. There's great peace when we place our lives in his hand. Why should we have joy? Because if we know Christ, we have made the decision to place our lives in God's hands. And if we're in God's hands, listen to me, nothing can touch our life unless God allows it. And guess what? Nothing and no one can snatch you out of God's hands. Amen? Over in John chapter 10, Jesus says that very thing. Jesus says, if you're in my hands, nothing and no one can snatch you from my hands. And so God is our shelter. Uh, We should find joy in that reality. We are safe in his hands. Nothing can touch our life unless God allows it. And by the way, if God allows it, he has a purpose behind it, right? God allows hardship, God allows troubles and trials uh, into our lives, and he uses those, James 1 says, to strengthen us, to build our character, to to make us more like Jesus. And so God is our shelter. Number two, God is our sovereign. God is our sovereign. Look what it says there in verse 2. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Now you're saying, is that redundancy there? I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Well, there's actually a difference in the two uses of the word or two uh, translations of the word Lord there. Notice when he says, I say to the Lord, notice it's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Whenever you see that in your English Bibles, that is a translation of the divine name of God. Sometimes pronounced Yahweh or the Latin is Jehovah, Uh, but it's translated in our English Bibles by all caps, Lord. So he says, I say to the Lord, covenant name, Yahweh, my God, the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Now notice that word Lord is lowercase O-R-D. Everybody see that? 
That word is the word Adonai, okay, which is kind of the general word for Lord, master, ruler, boss. It's kind of like the Greek word kurios in the New Testament. It, it, it means one who is over me. And so David says, I say to Yahweh, my God, my covenant God, I have a relationship with him. You are my Lord. You are my Adonai. You are my ruler. You are my boss. God is our sovereign. This reminds us that God deserves our ultimate allegiance. If he is the one true God, and if he has saved us, if we are safe in his hands, if he is our shelter, then doesn't he deserve our allegiance, our ultimate allegiance? God is our sovereign. You say, Pastor Wade, why should that reality that God is our sovereign, God is our Lord, why should that produce joy? The fact that God rules over us, why should that produce joy? Because he's a good king. He's a good ruler. How many of you in here ever had a bad boss? How many of you ever had a bad boss? I mean, we've all experienced that at some point in, in our lives, a, a, just a bad boss, right? And here's the deal. When you surrender to the Lord's will, to the Lord's way, he's a good ruler. He's a good leader. He's a benevolent king. He has, he, listen, he always has your best interest at heart. That's good news. And so we should have joy because God is our sovereign. He deserves our ultimate allegiance. Number three, God is our source. Look what it says in verse two. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord, my Adonai. I, now look at this next phrase. This is, a, this is a powerful statement. I have no good apart from you. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints of the land, those that belong to you, the saints, those set apart for you, those who, who have made you their shelter. As for the saints of the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. So he's saying, I, along with all the saints, enjoy you, your goodness, your, your grace over our lives. God is our source. And here's what that means. If you look there in your notes. Everything good in our lives can be traced back to God. Everything good in our lives can be traced back to God. And you say, Pastor White, where did you get that from? James 1.17, the Bible says, every good and perfect gift is from where? From above, right? It's from above, it comes from God. So if there's anything good in your life, it's from Him, right? It, it's from him. You say, well, I work hard for what I, what I enjoy in life. Well, who gave you the strength to work? Who made your heart beat every morning you rode into work? And who made your brain think? And who made your lungs breathe? Who gave you life itself? Who gave you that job, right? And we could go on and on. If there's anything good in your life, it comes from God. God is our source. And that should cause great joy to well up in our lives, that, that God has been so good to us in so many different ways. God is our source. Number four, God is our satisfaction. God is our satisfaction. He says in verse four, the sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. David's saying, I don't want anything to do 
with people that worship false gods. They're, they're involved in these religious ceremonies. They're, 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 they, they have these offerings of blood. I'm not going to be involved in those. I don't, I, want, I don't want anything to do with the worship of another god. I'm not even taking their names on my lips. And this is David's way of basically saying it doesn't end well. When you, when you choose the false god, it doesn't end well. I don't want to be a, a part of that. But look what he says in the next verse. The Lord, notice all capitals there. This is Yahweh again. The Lord is my chosen portion in my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. David is saying, I have God. I have God in my life. And he is a, a, a pleasant portion. He is a, he is a chosen portion. He is my cup. He satisfies my needs. Notice there he says, he's my chosen portion and my cup. That means that he satisfies the, 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 the hungerings and the thirstings that, that we have in our lives. And you hold my lot. He, he guides our lives. When we realize God is enough, we will find true satisfaction in life. The ESV study Bible looks at verses five and six of the pray, uh, phrase portion, cup, lot, lines, the, the, the imagery that he uses here. A lot of this is inheritance imagery that when you get inheritance, it is divided up for you. And the ESV study Bible says the terms portion, lot, lines, and inheritance evoke the allocation of the land into family plots. The song promotes contentment with the arrangements of one's life, seeing them as providentially ordered. So David is saying here, I look at my life. And I see that you have put it all into place. And I'm content with that. I'm satisfied in that because I have you. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. And when you trust God to satisfy your soul, not the things of this world, that's when you'll start to experience the fullness of joy. I, when I studied this, I thought about an old song. Um, that talks about being satisfied in the Lord. Let me just read you the lyrics of this song. All my life long, I had panted for a draught from some cool spring that I hope would quench the burning of the thirst I felt within. Hallelujah. I found him whom my soul so long has craved. Jesus satisfies my longings through his life. I now am saved. The song goes on to say, I like this. It, it refers to the prodigal son feeding on the husks around me till my strength was almost gone, long my soul for something better, only still to hunger on. Poor I was and sought for riches, something that would satisfy, but the dust I gathered round me only mocked my soul's sad cry. Well of water, ever springing bread of life, so rich and free, untold wealth that never faileth, my Redeemer is to me. Clara T. Williams wrote those words. In other words, if we search for satisfaction in all the wrong places, like Mick Jagger, you won't get no satisfaction. Did you like that reference? Some of you are like, who's Mick Jagger? All right, you won't get no satisfaction. But in Christ, listen, in Christ, you will be satisfied because he is enough. He is enough. Or let me say it like this. I think you've heard me probably say this before. If, if you have everything this world has to offer, but you don't have Jesus, you have nothing. And if you don't have anything this world has to offer, but you have Jesus, 
you have everything. Amen? You have everything. I, I may have shared the story before, but uh, when I was a youth minister, I went with my pastor to, to make a visit to a gentleman that had been visiting our church. This was in, in uh, Memphis, and we went to downtown Memphis, a, a, a pretty rough part of the city. This gentleman had some um, physical handicaps and, 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 uh, and really probably some mental handicap as well. And he lived in a in a uh, a project, a housing project in, in in downtown Memphis. And and we we went to go see him. We went up to he was on the second floor. We went into his apartment. There was nothing in there. I mean, just nothing. He had a few little pieces of furniture. Nothing in the cupboards. Nothing. I mean, just just nothing. It, it, it the building was filthy. It smelled awful. And we we visit this man that just had very little going on, and we ministered to him, spent some time with him. And uh, we, we left the, the, the building. We're walking back to my pastor's car. My pastor said this. I'll never forget it. He said, I wonder if that was me, if I was that man living in that filthy, terrible smelling apartment. I wonder if I lived in that situation, would Jesus be enough? Would Jesus be enough? And what this psalm reminds us is Jesus is enough. If you have Jesus, he will satisfy the deepest longings of your soul. So God is our satisfaction. Thank you for listening. We pray you've been encouraged and inspired by God's word. May the Lord richly bless you.